You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to this month's feature series, Focus on Medical Education. Have you ever wondered how physician journalists get started in their career? Joining us today is an award-winning medical journalist who has engaged national audiences on a wide range of medical topics for more than 20 years. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is Dr. Holly Atkinson. Dr. Atkinson is the medical editor-in-chief for EverydayHealth.com, a leading online consumer health site that helps people manage their health online daily and live better lives. She is Assistant Professor of Medicine and Co-Director of the Advancing Idealism in Medicine program at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine. Dr. Atkinson is past president of the Board of Directors of Physicians for Human Rights. Welcome to ReachMD. Great to be with you, Leslie. Holly, I'd love to learn more about your background. How did you end up both in medicine and in journalism? Yeah, well, a lot of people ask me that question, Leslie, and it's been an interesting journey. I think one of the major influences in my decision was one of the mentors I had years ago. I went to the University of Rochester School of Medicine and Dentistry, and Dr. Robert Berg was the head of community medicine there when I was at medical school, and I stayed at at Rochester for my internship in internal medicine. And Bob had a profound impact upon me. Now, you know, I hate to admit this, but it's like 30 years ago. And Bob gave me a real insight. You know, we called it community medicine back in those days, and I think today more accurately we would call it public health. So he had a profound influence upon me. And as a matter of fact, for my vacation during my internship, I have to tell you, most of my colleagues went off to Club Med for those three weeks. (laughs) I journeyed to Indonesia to do some work with the Rockefeller Foundation, and I was doing some work on diarrheal diseases in infants and children there and teaching women how to do replacement solutions. And I saw the power of public health early on. And as I've gotten older and, you know, I've watched the literature and and I look at the public health problems we have today, I do think that one of our biggest challenges is to translate the knowledge we now have to the American public to make a difference. There was a piece that was recently published in one of the journals. I think it might have been the Annals, but I'll have to check on that. And it was an editorial saying, we have to stop sending the mixed signals. And what this particular piece was talking about is that, in fact, we've come a long, long ways in reducing age-adjusted mortality for both myocardial infarction and stroke, although some of the new data suggests that we actually may be starting to lose the battle. Mm. And that's predicated upon some of the data that are coming in from the younger age groups, that while we've seen across the board age-adjusted mortality rates go down, we're starting to see now in 30 and 40 and 50-year-olds that we may be getting to, beginning to lose the war against heart disease. By the way, I just looked up the reference here. It's Jack. It's the Journal of the American College of Cardiology. It's the November issue. It's volume 50, number 22. And the editorial is called Time to End the Mixed and Often Incorrect Messages about Prevention and Treatment of Atherosclerotic Cardiovascular Mm. Disease. And so, you know, the idea of getting these messages out to the American public is extremely important because when we do, it works. 
But now we're starting to lose the battle because of these lifestyle issues of, you know, the obesity epidemic. Currently, you're involved with EverydayHealth.com. Yeah, yeah. What is that? Leslie, EverydayHealth.com is a consumer health website. It's relatively new. We launched last October, so we're about 14 months old. And I'm very pleased to say that we are now the second most popular health website on the Internet, only behind WebMD. I'm thrilled to be involved with it. I am medical editor-in-chief, and what that entails is, first of all, I do write a weekly column for the site, and it's predicated upon, you know, what's happening out there. Sometimes it's medical studies. Sometimes it's concerns that I hear among people or, you know, just concerns in my own life of being a middle-aged woman, um, dealing with some of the same things that we all are in terms of American lifestyle. I also put together an advisory board of 21 other physicians, and we have a number of experts that cover, you know, all the major specialty areas of medicine. The experts write questions and answers for us on a monthly basis, and they're actually answers that are generated by the readership of EverydayHealth.com. And I do a lot of editing and working with the doctors on, on making those questions amenable to a consumer audience. Then I vet a lot of the other information where, you know, things that staff may write or other materials, I do the editorial review on them from a medical accuracy point of view. So EverydayHealth.com has become a major player in consumer education. It has. I love the name. I think it says it all. The mission of the site is not just to offer up encyclopedic information, but we do have a number of tools on the site, and we've concentrated greatly, for example, on building out the Diabetes Center, we know particularly that women want help with that, not only for themselves, but helping their, their husbands and other loved ones deal with the disease. So we do have a lot of support on the site. For example, we have a, an area that's uh, dedicated to type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, to caregivers. So the mission is really to support people on a day-to-day -day basis, deal with the chronic illnesses that they are. If you're just joining the discussion, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Holly Adkinson, the medical editor-in-chief for EverydayHealth.com. Holly, what do you see as our biggest challenge in consumer health education today? I think it's about behavioral change, Leslie. You know, I also give a lot of keynote addresses across the nation, and, and when I talk to a consumer audience, what I often hear at the end is that people will come up to me and they say, well, Dr. Atkinson, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know I'm supposed to lose weight. I know my doctor tells me I'm supposed to get my blood pressure down, but I don't know how to do it. When you look at the major killers, you know, it's cardiovascular disease, stroke, cancer, we do have a pretty good grip on the major risk factors, for example, involved in atherosclerotic disease. The issue is, how do we get people to change? I don't think we've done enough research, quite frankly, mm -hmm. on, on what the most effective ways are to help. I mean, change is hard. It's an old adage uh, that change is hard for all of us. I think it's because it's true. We're not an animal that changes easily. And people, though, are looking for the keys to do that. Well, that's a certain group. You know, there's a certain group out there that is extremely knowledgeable. You know, all the physicians listening know that because these patients are walking into the office with stacks of printouts from the Internet. Right? right. And then I think there's the other population. As a matter of fact, last week I was down at the National Academy of Sciences and 
There was a meeting put on there last week to address the issue of health literacy. And I'll tell you, I was surprised by some of the data. I mean, you know, we, we tend to have the notion, well, everyone knows you shouldn't smoke or everybody knows uh, what it means when you say the word cholesterol or everyone realizes that if you don't control your diabetes, it's not good for you. Well, quite frankly, that's not the case. We do have a very large issue of poor health literacy here in the United States among certain groups. There's some wonderful work being done. For example, the ACP Foundation has published this, this consumer education booklet on diabetes, and it's for doctors actually to use in their offices. Before the patient walks out the door, within basically a 10-minute time period, to help them set many goals to change their behavior. So I think that the next forefront and the next big challenge for us is to help people actually make the change in their life that we've all been promulgating over the last, you know, many years. Yeah, you know, as a practicing physician, it's so frustrating. Yesterday, in fact, I was sort of keeping score in every patient I saw in preparation for our show today. And, you know, every single patient I saw yesterday, and I'm a psychiatrist, we wanted to lose weight, you know, change their lipid profile. None of them were exercising on a regular basis. And, you know, I go over this every single visit. And obviously, whatever I'm doing is not working because they're not changing their behavior. How can we reach the people that aren't even getting the message that their behavior needs to change? Yeah, well, that's our big task. I think there's a separation between the populations where print material works and then other populations where perhaps video and pictograms work better. For example, I saw a presentation down at the National Academy of Sciences meeting where a group, a literacy group in here in New York had done a study on compliance with medications, and it was particularly in the pediatric population trying to discern what really can help caregivers give kids the right dose, pediatric dose. So, for example, if it's so many cc's out of a bottle, they found that there was a wide margin of error in terms of administrating the drugs, either on a frequency basis or dosage basis. So they had done this very interesting study that really struck me where they developed these instructional sheets that used a lot of pictograms to show, you know, well, what's a teaspoon? We may think, well, a teaspoon is a teaspoon and it's an appropriate measurement, but they showed in one of these graphics all the various different sizes of quote-unquote a teaspoon Mm. that you can pull out of your drawer. And it ranged everywhere from a very small spoon to a very large spoon that we would call a tablespoon. Well, if, you know, if the doc says, you know, give a teaspoon to your kid at night, the range of that dose could be substantial. So this was an educational project using pictograms on how to give a pediatric dose. And they got a very significant change in the accuracy. They narrowed the band of how close most caregivers got to the actual dose. Mm-hmm. It was very, very successful, and I was, I was very impressed with this. We need to understand who the target audience is and to figure out a way to communicate most effectively with them. And I don't think for the most part we've been doing that, mm-hmm. and it's the very people who need perhaps a different way of, of being communicated with who aren't getting it but have the most risk factors that need to be changed. I was very enlightened and very impressed coming out of this meeting last week and jazzed up about some of these new ways. 
you know, it is about political will. It is about the will to do this. It is about some increased funding to really get at underserved populations to help get health education to them as well. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today, Holly. My pleasure. It's been wonderful. We've been discussing everyday health and consumer health education with Dr. Holly Atkinson. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments, so please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening. Tune in each hour for the ReachMD feature series, Focus on Medical Education. We thank you for listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals.